You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 2 Verse six. Now that verse is actually written on the front of this study Bible that was given to me when I was 12 years old, November of 1994. You see, my parents wanted to cultivate in me a hunger for the word of the Lord, that I would grow up with a passion for the word of God. And here's the deal. It's barely holding together after 25 years of wear and tear. And while I love digital resources like YouVersion, by the way, they just passed 500 million downloads. How incredible is that? I love all of the amazing digital resources out there, but there's nothing quite like holding an old Bible in your hands. I love what the 19th century pastor Charles Spurgeon once said. He said that a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Listen, Bridges Nashville is a Bible-teaching, gospel-centered church that holds fast to the conviction that the Bible is truth, and it is the inspired Word of God. This is why every single message that we teach is rooted in Scripture. It's why when we come together, whether it's at the Listening Room Cafe or in our house churches, every single time we crack open the Bible and dive into Scripture together, uh, there's truth in His Word. And just as we believe that Jesus who was the Word made flesh, we believe that Jesus was fully divine, fully human. We also believe that the Bible is fully divine and fully human. Yes, it's fully human. It was written by people. In fact, about 40 different authors over the course of 1,500 to 2,000 years wrote the Bible. These were kings and priests, fishermen and shepherds, rich and poor, people from every different background and culture wrote the Bible. And while it was written by people, it was inspired by God. It's fully divine. These aren't just good words in here. They're God's words. And while all of Scripture may not be equally applicable to every situation in your life, all of Scripture is truth, and this truth is transformational. And so that is the reason why we're starting 2022 off with a series that's deeply rooted in the Bible. We're going to be diving deep into Scripture this year. See, we don't just read the Bible to get through it, but we read the Bible to get it through us. It's got to go from the head to the heart. Reading the Bible can't just be about gaining information. It has to be about pursuing transformation. So as we read these passages together, Pray through the scripture, pray through the pages, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and guide you and shape you as you let the word into your heart. So during this series, we're going to be going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through First and Second Timothy. So we're not necessarily going to have a Bible reading plan per se, but I would encourage you to daily read uh, these passages from First and Second Timothy as we go in real time through this series so that you can go deeper on your own. Listen, my goal as a pastor isn't to read the Bible for you. It's to inspire and challenge you to read the Bible on your own and to go deeper into the scriptures on a daily basis. All right. So let's jump in here. Now, last weekend at our first Sunday gathering, first one of 2022, Pastor David kicked off this series, The Good Fight, looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. It was a message called, Pick Up Your Weapon. And yes, he had an actual sword 
in his hand for part of the message. Listen, if you missed it, you can catch up on our YouTube page or on our podcast. Highly recommend you do that. And Pastor David shared three insights from these first 17 verses of Paul's letter. And these are the three insights. Know your calling, know your beliefs, know your identity. See, the Apostle Paul, who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, wrote these particular letters to his young apprentice, Timothy, who was actually leading the church in Ephesus at the time. Ephesus is where the Ephesians lived. And scholars believe that Paul wrote uh, these letters to Timothy around 63 or 65 AD when he was released from a Roman prison. Now listen, these letters were actually not meant to just be read by Timothy in private alone. They were meant to be read aloud in the actual church at Ephesus. So imagine a seasoned pastor like Paul writing to a brand new pastor like Timothy, and Paul's seen his hardships. He's seen some hard times in life, and Timothy is just getting kicked off in ministry, and Paul just wants to give him some instruction. So let's pick up where we left off last week in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 18, Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Verse 20, among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Wow, three verses and yet there's so much gold packed in here. Now, in the previous uh, 17 verses, Paul warns Timothy about false teachers and blasphemy, and he reminds him of the grace that God has shown him. Paul is giving instruction or this charge to lead because Paul saw the potential in Timothy as a young leader. And obviously, other people did too. That's why Paul makes specific mention here about the other prophecies given over Timothy. Now, let me just pause here and make an observation about prophesying into people, the impact that that can have. Now, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 3, prophecy is meant to encourage and help others grow in the Lord. It's calling out potential and seeing things that are not yet as though they were. Now, as an application moment here, who has God placed in your path that you can encourage and draw out potential from? Now, we know the statistics right now don't look good when it comes to anxiety and depression. About one in three people are struggling with anxiety. Clinical depression over these last two years has hit an all-time high. Look, as Christ followers, we carry the hope of Jesus Christ within us. And we can use that as an anchor to speak encouragement and life into people. Speak in a prophetic way like Paul did over Timothy, and you can help lift somebody from a season of hopelessness. Uh, Pastor Chris Hodges, who leads Church of the Highlands down in Birmingham, recently wrote a book called Out of the Cave, and he shares about his struggle with depression. And he talks about a timely phone call that he received from a pastor friend of his that really encouraged his spirits and lifted him out of one of the darkest moments of his life. Here's what I know. People will often settle for mediocrity when there's no one pushing them to greatness. Now, on the flip side, who is it in your life that's building you up? Do you have a mentor? Do you have somebody that's calling you out? Do you have people in your life that have walked a little bit more road that can draw you to your greatest days ahead? Listen, if the only friends that you have in your life are, are those who are always complaining or speaking negatively, that's going to have an impact in how you live. 
Now let's go back to that verse in 1 Timothy 1. He says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Paul isn't writing this letter to condemn or burden Timothy, but to help him fight the good fight. You know, I think sometimes when we receive instruction or even a course correction from somebody, immediately we hear it as an attack and we get offended. Instead, what if we asked ourselves, okay, what is it that I can learn here? Maybe I'm not perfect in every area of my life and there's actually a lesson to grow from here. See, Paul would be a pretty poor leader if he just left out all of the hard and challenging parts of leadership when he wrote this letter to young Timothy. If he said, hey, Tim, don't worry about anything. Life is all sunshine and no storms. Just keep your head up. You're going to be just fine. That wouldn't be a very good mentor, would it? No, he warns Timothy, life is a fight. It's not a playground. It's a battlefield. So he encourages him to fight the good fight. See, Paul's goal is to pour into Timothy and the church and encourage them toward victory in Christ, to go after greater things. Listen, you are called to greater things. Last week in Ephesians 2.10, Pastor David shared, we've been created with good works in advance for us to step into. And this passage in 1 Timothy is more of a commissioning, isn't it? You've got to know your mission. You are created with purpose and a destiny, not just to arrive safely at death, but to live truly in purpose and fullness in Jesus Christ. In his book, Unthinkable, uh, my friend Pastor Rodney Wardwell writes about a mountain that's a popular destination for mountain climbers and hikers. Now, the pathway up this mountain has some incredible views, but the real view lies at the peak of this mountain, at the very top. And at the bottom, all these hikers are really energized and ready to go. And uh, something changes about a quarter of the way up the mountain. The altitude changes. It's a little bit harder to breathe. And halfway up the mountain, there's actually this lodge where hikers can stop, take a break, settle by the fire, get a bite to eat. Now, here's the thing. A study was done at this particular lodge that said two-thirds of the people that stop at the lodge halfway up never continue to the top of the mountain. Why? Uh, Because they get comfortable and they settle for easy. Now they lose sight of their original goal to reach the top of the mountain. You know, the word mediocre in the original Latin is translated halfway up the mountain. And nobody initially wants to be mediocre, right? We don't aim for mediocrity in our life. The goal is to finish the race, to reach the summit, to fight the good fight. Well, listen here. You can't fight the battle alone. You need people in this journey at your side. An army is much stronger in a battle than a single soldier. So who can you encourage and who is in your life to do the same for you? Now hear me on this last point on encouragement here. Not all encouragement is prophecy. So unless you feel like you've specifically heard a word for somebody from the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't label that as a prophetic word. Okay, but nevertheless, uh, we are called to encourage one another, to spur one another on to good deeds. And we need it now more than ever, don't we? Life isn't easy. In fact, it's pretty hard, isn't it? And I hate to point out the obvious fact here, but as we go on in this life and we take steps forward, it doesn't really get any easier, does it? 
Life can be simple. And hear me, we're made to live with the joy and the peace and the love of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of my themes this year is simply have more fun, right? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Amen. Life is a blessing, but my goodness, it is hard. Life is a fight. Hey, it's a fight not to just let popular culture indoctrinate my kids. It's a fight to teach them the truth about right and wrong. It's a fight against temptation to keep my eyes guarded and my heart clean. It's a fight for my marriage and my family and our church. It's a daily fight to stand firm and not waver. It's a fight to hold fast to the gospel. It's a fight. This is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Bible with letters like 1 and 2 Timothy to encourage us to fight well. So the question becomes, how do we fight? How do we wage war? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's not with physical strength, but with faith and a good conscience, according to 1 Timothy 1. Paul wrote that our fight isn't in the physical realm, but of the spiritual realm. In his letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, in the same chapter that Paul writes to the Ephesians, which, by the way, was the church that Timothy was leading at that time, Paul talks about the armor of God. This is how we fight the good fight, right? Ephesians 6, 13 to 17 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And by faith, we put on the belt of truth. By faith, we receive the righteousness of Christ. By faith, we take up the shield of the uh, faith and the sword of the Spirit. By faith, we do all of these things and put on the armor of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's like George Michael once said, you got to have faith, right? By faith alone, we move forward and win the battle. That we win and we fight with faith and with good conscience. See, living faith sets us free from the mess of a guilty conscience because we have His grace and we're forgiven and nothing needs to be done in the secret when you live in the grace of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1 Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, the Greek for conscience is synatesis. And it's more of a moral awareness in your mind. It's having a clear mind with nothing weighing you down. This is important because it's hard to fight when you're weighed down, right? And prayer is so important here because it's through prayer and repentance that we can have a good conscience and a clear mind. Now, the alternative to faith and good conscience, Paul says, is a shipwreck. He says that those who reject these things have shipwrecked their faith, a.k.a. You crash and burn. And he closes out this first chapter by specifically mentioning two guys, Hymenaeus and Alexander, who we really don't have a lot of information on. So instead of speculating about what they've done and why they're mentioned, let's just draw from what we actually have here in the text. 
Now, you got to remember, the church in Ephesus is one of the first Christian churches in history of Christendom. And so there was a bit of false teaching and blasphemy that was circulating that had to be dealt with. And Paul says that he handed these two guys over to Satan, which is another way of saying that they were expelled from the church. This sounds pretty harsh, right? And it is. But you got to remember, this was a time where people couldn't just leave their church and go to the next one down the road if they got a little offended. They couldn't just stay home and watch online if they didn't want to be held accountable in community. Am I preaching to anyone today? See, the community of the church 2,000 years ago was everything. Spoiler alert, it still is. You grow in faith by living in community. And Paul knew that by casting these two guys out who had rejected faith and truth, it was probably the best way to actually restore them. Sometimes it's only by facing our actions that we can learn our lesson. Paul's heart for Hymenaeus and Alexander wasn't to just send them off to their demise, but to see them come to a place where they turned from their mistakes and repent. Repentance is the Greek word metanoia, which means to do a literal turnaround and walk in the other direction. It was a change of mind, aka good conscience. And that's how we fight the fight, with faith and a good conscience. So let me close with this. You might find yourself in a place today where you're wrestling with faith and having a clear mind. Maybe you're not sure where you stand. And I just want to extend Paul's encouragement to you. Don't give up. Fight the good fight. Don't surrender to the enemy just because life is getting hard right now. I'd encourage you, plug into a house church this week. Join us when we all come together to worship. By the way, Sunday, January 16th, 6 p.m. at the Listening Room Cafe is our next prayer and worship night. Come together with us as we lift up the name of Jesus and seek his heart together. You can daily grow uh, through our devotionals and reading the word on your own. Hey, reach out if you need prayer. I love a good cup of coffee and I'd love to sit down and just talk and pray with you through anything you may be walking through. Pastor David, our staff, we're praying for you. You don't have to fight this battle alone. Last thing I'll say, is there an area in your life that you need to repent of today? You don't have to shipwreck your faith Through Christ, there is forgiveness and mercy, and you can live day by day growing closer to Him in faith and good conscience. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.